Welcome to Frame and Flow, Creating, Connecting, and Neurodiversity, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of portrait photography, business management, and the unique perspectives of neurodivergent artists. I'm your host, Annalise Page, a portrait photographer with a TBI and ADHD, here to share my experiences, insights, and unconventional approaches to running a successful business. In today's episode, y'all get to meet my incredible friend, Sia Cortinas Root. Not only is Sia one of the most powerful lightworkers I've ever met in this lifetime, but she also is a haver of a TBI or traumatic brain injury. Sia is an elementary educator in bilingual education with a master's in TESOL, co-founder of COCO, which stands for Color Our Community on Awareness, founder of Zero Proof Walla Walla, founder of Inclusivo Productions, chairperson, person, <laughs> chairperson for Walla Walla Pride Council, audio alien with DJ Bruja Mami, and Taita Extraordinaire, political activist and mother of huskies. Sia Cortinas Rude, tell me everything. Tell me everything. <laughs> well, I uh, feel very honored to be invited here to your home and on the podcast. Um, I know we have spoken in the past that creating a podcast is something that both of us were interested in in doing. And so I am so excited to see that you have started this journey and excited to be on it because someday I will also be starting this journey. I love that about our friendship. I feel like we are in sync in so many ways. And yeah, just really, Literally really happy too. to be here. Currently Apparently, sinking. hormonally, what our like uteruses, everyone who's listening, our uteruses are on the same wavelength. So you're welcome for that. <laughs> it's the magic. <laughs> You're welcome, PB. <laughs> um, before we started, Annalise said she likes to think of her husband as sitting high in the air to the right corner, watching down, smiling on us. And now I can't stop thinking about he just, it. He's but he's like sticking his tongue out at me right now, being oh, like, me. Yeah. That's fair. He would. He definitely, actually, he's probably blushing. PB, are you listening to this? Probably. <laughs> Um, okay, so today's episode, we're going to be, I'm going to be asking uh, Sia Cortinas Rude. I like saying her whole name. I'm going to be asking Sia some amazing questions, and um, we're going to be getting her perspective on her TBI. But before we do that, Sia, can you tell us, do you feel comfortable sharing about your TBI, what it is, how you got it, yes, and all that jazz? Yes, I am, as a traumatic brain injury survivor, I received my TBI, like many of us, in a traumatic way. Not only is the trauma <laughs> happening to the brain, but usually to you as a person, to your energy field, to your spirit, to your story. Mm -hmm. So I was five when I got my traumatic brain injury. Myself, my brother, my mother, and our neighbor... We were all driving back from the Tri-Cities, which if you're not from this area is about an hour heading west from Walla Walla. And we were driving back home after a long day of shopping and eating because in Walla Walla in those times and still kind of now there really wasn't a lot of options for young families. When mm -hmm. we were on our way, a young college student had fallen asleep at the wheel and crossed over into our lane and hit us head on. Um, my mom was engulfed in the truck. She has 
since then had well over um, 40 surgeries on her body just from that. My brother hit his forehead. Luckily, he did not have any damage outside of just a couple stitches. Our neighbor, Lee, who was in the car, she was older. She was in her early 60s, I believe, when this happened. Her jaw was dislocated. Um, She was quite beaten up. Second behind my mom in worse injuries was myself. My face went into the dashboard, kind of through it. My teeth on my bottom jaw went through. And so actually, if you touch my lower mandible, there is big chunks missing from it. And I do have a scar there, uh, which I rock with pride. Um, But I also, uh, they were extremely concerned about my brain. And in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have as much knowledge around traumatic brain injuries as we do now. And oftentimes when you're being compared, you're being compared to an adult male. So as a five-year-old young female, um, I didn't fit some of the categories. And so thankfully, our doctors went on the extreme end. They were really concerned. Uh, They were with a medically induced coma, essentially, to be able to monitor my brain, make sure that there was no swelling. They were prepared and preparing my father, who was not in the car accident, that I could have possibly some anywhere from moderate to severe learning disabilities due to this. They just didn't know. Um, thankfully, Fuck, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, hey, you can swear on this podcast. We bleep oh, it out with penguin sounds. Yes, I, I love little <laughs> pangies. Um, and I don't know if it's the ADHD and the traumatic brain injury or the genius, but I have the mouth of a sailor, and it's a good balance between being a teacher because there is no swearing in the classroom, um, but at home, <laughs> so you get it all out. It goes down. Yeah, right. yeah. So imagine my my father. You know, my my parents were younger, so my father was probably about twenty four. 25 years old, and all of his children have been in a car accident. His wife has been in a car accident. His neighbor's been in a car accident. The guy that hit us broke his wrist, which it so often happens, you know, if people Because he was so relaxed that yep, he didn't... Exactly. You hear Gosh. that when people fall asleep or in drinking and driving car accidents. You know, they're just like little gumbies, so they just flop around. Um, so uh, thankfully, I didn't have any, you know, severe or moderate learning disabilities. Um, but again, in those in those years of the 80s and 90s, there weren't as many tools for young people to learn to develop to manage a world of then having a traumatic brain injury. Um, so I kind of had to learn as I went, so to speak. Um, and my parents didn't really have a lot of knowledge around that. So I feel Valid. like... Valid. Yeah, right? Hey, exactly. surprise, your five-year-old child now has a traumatic brain injury. Hope you figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like I have had a lot of great teachers in my life, not only in education, but in, in you know, the, the school of life to kind of help me navigate my skill sets to process as a traumatic brain injury survivor and... I think that normalizing this conversation is really important for all of us, those with the TBIs and those without. You also mentioned that you have ADHD as well. Yes. Oh, bro. How did I not remember that? (laughs) It's probably your TBI. (laughs) (laughs) She's got jokes. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. So I have a list of questions that I've been compiling as little like notes as I remember them. So some of them are very, very silly. Some of them I wrote down when I may or may not have been in an elevated state of mind, if you know what I mean. 
I don't know love, if you know what I mean. We love elevation. <laughs> um, well, first, 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 I want to talk about uh, you're the founder of Zero Proof Walla Walla. Yes. For those of you who don't know Sia and I, we are both people who do not drink alcohol. That's correct. I don't know if for you personally, but for me, that time when the hawk hit the door was yes. my literal wake up. Yes. I'll guys, I'll tell you all the story later. Uh, today's not the day. That was like the wake up call. Like, oh, shit. okay. I got something's got to give. Yeah. I got to get my feet together. Yeah. Um, so did you have a defining moment that you decided you wanted to stop drinking alcohol? Great question. You know, I feel like the walking away from alcohol was kind of a constellation of moments for me. You know, I think like many of us, uh, alcoholism is in my family tree. And the normalization of alcohol consumption societally was something that just never, I never understood how we could see so much trauma going on in people's lives and then excuse it the next day to just chalk it up to, oh, they were just drinking. As I have gotten older and, and when I became in, more ingrained in my social justice and activism, in particular with children, I really realized that a lot of the pain body in our world often correlates with alcohol. Mm. Then I started to do the inward looking, which is extremely difficult and, and tough uncomfortable. and uncomfortable and can feel ugly, right? That's why we look away from it for so often. And I saw patterns and behaviors in myself that I wasn't the most proud of. Typically, those patterns and behaviors were happening in the privacy of my own head, my own mind. I was doing a lot of external work for everyone else and not a lot for myself. And so it was kind of laying the groundwork to walk away from alcohol. For me personally, I don't use the word sober, uh, not because I'm against people who do or, or the meaning behind it, but as I've gone on my alcohol-free journey, I have really reflected on how powerful words are mm, and how much yeah. stigma and shame can be around certain words like sobriety. Oftentimes people think you have to be white knuckling it to walk away from alcohol. Newsflash, you do not. Wait, are you saying that you don't have to white knuckle your way to give up alcohol, that it can be something that is a gradual, um, peaceful experience? Question mark. Yeah, exactly. Wow, tell you know? me more. <laughs> and and that's, that was, it, it, it sounds so silly, but I, I think that I wanted to walk away from alcohol for a while and I was just waiting for my life to become more of a sh show God, isn't like that true? than it was. And that's not to say that there aren't parts of my life that were a sh show because there, there certainly were. Again, it was a lot of internal struggles and suffering, a lot of private self-loathing. Mm. But when that hawk hit your window and I texted you the card, oh, that was the card same day. Of, it was within seconds. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was within Okay, so seconds. she's reminding me, guys. Uh, I will tell you the story. Okay, so there I was. I think it was the beginning of Mercury Retrograde. Yes. I have in this entire side of my house as windows. As I was editing photos for Kaleidoscope Studios here in Walla Walla, which is a movement studio, more on that later, uh, a hawk hit my freaking back door. And then it just startled me out of like, I don't know, I think I was just in the zone. I was like, oh, what was that noise? And so I go check and it's a hawk. And in its talons was this little finch that was totally not alive <laughs> anymore. <laughs> just heads up. It was not alive. The hawk was just dazed. And I could see it was like 
I, well, I couldn't see, but little like stars, you know, but it was like a wake up call. And that same day, my life changed. I remember I sent you that video and I was like, see ya, WTF, what the fuck, like what happened? And then she sent me this card that was basically... Oh man, I wish I remember. Do you remember? What I, said? I, yeah, I have the picture actually because you sent it to me, and at that time I was pulling tarot cards. And the the card is essentially of an ascending hawk with a goddess head behind it, and it was it was kind of a bossy card, which I <laughs> always uh, struggle to love, but I do love the bossy cards. And it was essentially saying like, it's time to wake up. It's time to, to move into your higher self. You asked for a moment that kind of stuck out to me. And the next day for me, I had my aha moment where I couldn't look away anymore. So you, again, as you'll hear, as we talk, we often are kind of one step ahead or behind or right by side by side with each other. And so for me, the next day was at my mom's house and I saw a picture. We have the newspaper article of our car accident. And when I was driving home, I watched someone hit a cat in their car. Similar to the Finch, it was no longer of this plane. And after hearing your story with the Hawk, it just, there was no doubt in my mind, see a, you could be that cat next. Honestly, like metaphorically, parts of you are not with us in this way that you need it to be. Mm. The Lego pieces aren't fitting in, sister. (laughs) You can't stop shoving that in there. It's not working for you. So that was my first real attempt at walking away from alcohol. And it was, I was successful for about seven months. Anyone who has walked away from alcohol or is possibly currently in that process knows that it's, it's a marathon. You don't just get up and run a marathon the next day. Um, you, you, you practice. And so I like that you call it practice. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no shame and there isn't right. And for so long and you know, I, I feel like by normalizing vulnerability in this conversation, we take away some of that shame because if you think about it, it's an extremely heavy neurotoxin. You have a traumatic brain injury. You have a traumatic brain injury. And those without it, again, a neurotoxin, and it's the most socially acceptable drug that we use. And so when I, I was really scared to tell people that I didn't want to drink, I made up stories. I told people that I was on a medicine so I couldn't drink or that I had a cold, you know, and it's that, that to me really it hurt that I felt that I had to do that because anyone, you're such an authentic person. Anyone so. knows me. Yeah. Like I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I tell you how, how it is or how I feel that I, it is for me. And, um, I don't mind kind of bearing myself publicly to people. And so that all that, 73 listeners, <laughs> I love thanks you guys. <laughs> and so there will be more it's coming. And so for me that I was hiding something that I was really proud of was tough. Yeah. Around that time, my husband was going through some pretty extreme medical stuff. And uh, I started allowing excuses to come up like, oh, you know, we had a successful day at the doctor. I'm going to have a beer or, oh, it's close to New Year's, which is mine and my husband's anniversary. Like, I'm going to have a glass of champagne. And and then I was back to drinking again. Mm. 
then you know i have a i had a really i still do really tight group yourself and our, our girlfriend mckinsey who we're all on this journey together and i was so thankful to have you guys to t- send you those texts when i was spiraling and with adhd and a traumatic brain injury sometimes my prefrontal cortex has been damaged and so sometimes my emotional regulation can get off so to be able to have people that i could safely break down with was yeah. really important. And also like, as we talked about, I think in two episodes ago, people who have neurodivergent brains are more susceptible to those huge emotional ups and downs. Yes. Um, according to scientific research, that's me pushing up my <laughs> nerd classes. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how just being aware of the things that we put in our body affect our brains. Yes. I guess that brings you to my next question. How has not having alcohol in your body anymore impacted or has it at all impacted your brain? I love this question because it is a question. Here's a silver platter. Yes. It's a question. <laughs> it's a question that I get asked a lot because I think it's a question that everyone has asked themselves at one point in another. If you are a regular drinker and it, you know, considered regular drinking is having like one to three drinks a week. And so oh. people might be listening thinking, one to three drinks a day? A week. Question. Oh, my God. A week. A week. So it takes approximately 72 hours for your hormones to go back to a baseline after you drink. So a lot of people thought, you know, oh, I'm having, someone's having two to three drinks a day. But if you think about it, if I have a drink on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, hump day, I have mm-hmm. a drink out with you know, my friends, even just one, my hormones are back to being irregular. Thursday, Friday, weekend warrior. I have a, you know. Drink, drink, Yeah, drink. And, and it doesn't even have to be a lot, right? Like that, it just, you, it keeps yourself in a cycle of always catching up. For me, removing alcohol, everything, everything improved. And it was, it was tough. But I tell people, it's equally as difficult staying in your pain body. It takes a lot of effort to stay in a place of self-loathing, a place of insecurity. And in my opinion, that to me is part of the addictiveness of alcohol is it can make you feel really good and then you feel horrible about yourself. For me, as someone who has been working on positive affirmations for myself trying to give myself the love to my inner child that I give to the children in my classroom, alcohol had to go, yeah. I, you know, to really like walk my, walk my talk. And so my, my brain feels better. Um, my emotional regulation is great. Yesterday, actually, I had kind of a tough day. I, for those of you who don't know me or my story, I spend every single day with my grandparents, my 89 and 82-year-old grandparents, every single morning, they are pillars in my life. And so my grandfather, his brother is nearing the end of his journey on this, uh, in this realm. And so we drove all the way out to Sandpoint, 16-hour journey. It was beautiful to see northern Idaho through his eyes and to, to see his stories, but it was really exhausting emotionally yeah, and also road trips and sitting still for 16 yes. hours oh my god emotionally physically right in I'm the thinking car. like oh my god how do I sit still I know now? yeah I we kinda, we're both adjusting our bodies <laughs> coming home the next day you know uh I just wasn't in I wasn't in my best space and something little 
kind of set me off and went and had my own little cry sesh. Mm. I love crying, by the way. I encourage crying all the time with my with my students, with my friends. So I had a good cry. It was a release. All mammals actually shake to get their their cortisol out of their body, except for humans. We're the only mammals that don't shake the cortisol out of ourselves. So crying can be a really great release for that. It is for me. So I had a good cry. My husband, Joe, certified saint. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. He came down and he, he knows when to give me enough space, but he came down and you know, we use a lot of touch in our house, gentle touch, because words sometimes get in the way. And we got myself back to baseline and it took like five minutes where sometimes in the past it could, Joe, we call it my brain cramp. He can literally see oh. when my traumatic brain injury has been activated and the wires start, like the, like the messages are not crossing the brain in an appropriate way. And so if a brain cramp happens, sometimes that could debilitate my whole day. I think it's an interesting take calling it a brain cramp. Yeah. Yeah. Brain cramp, brain wrinkle. Um, That's so much nicer way of putting it. I've been like denoting good and bad. I've been saying, oh, I'm having a bad brain day or mm -hmm. a good brain day. But now I want to say, oh, I'm just having some brain contractions. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I love that. That's, that's how a far part of your contractions. That's a really great reflection, Annalise, <laughs> because in, in, in my classroom, we very rarely use the words good and bad. I think that they're, they've become really easy filler words for us, right? Mm -hmm. When there are so much more authentic ways to express what we're going through. And, and more eloquently right? done. Right. Like I tell the students there, there aren't like, there aren't bad kids. Cause you, you would be shocked with how many kids say I was being bad. No, you weren't being bad. You were making a choice that wasn't benefiting yourself or others around you. So my brain sometimes does that too. <laughs> Thanks, Brain. Yeah. So listeners, if you would like to weigh in, uh, please contact us yes. somehow and tell us what you think we should call our brains when our brains are not at their best. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a, a pet name for your brain when it's <laughs> acting up? <laughs> brain contractions. Tell me you were a midwife without telling. Right. Um, okay. So my next question is, uh, you're like a creative business superhero with neurodiversity powers. How did you discover your secret identity? I know. What a loaded Ooh. question, huh? The, see, this is why I was excited to come on here because you ask questions in a way that really activates the imagination. Thank you. Thank um, you. Growing up in Walla Walla was extremely interesting with a big asterisk next to interesting because the Walla Walla that most people see today is not the Walla Walla that... I grew up in the Walla Walla that I grew up in was extremely sleepy, boarded up. There's a lot of prejudice and bigotry, which again, mm -hmm. all of these things still exist, but it was not, it was not a cool place to live. There was not a lot of wine. There wasn't a lot, there was no tourism. Um, there was nothing for youth, especially to do. So being creative was a really important element to having fun out here. Yeah. Didn't do what a lot of high schoolers of my age did, which was go out to the country, drink and shoot cans. I am shocked at this <laughs> revelation. <laughs> God, I can't sit still. Um, but I it was just, I've always just been a full-fledged weirdo. I'm so proud <laughs> to be weird. I uh, thank not only my TBI for that, but a family of proud weirdos 
um, that, that really encouraged creativity and authenticity and not being afraid to just be yourself, which is all the things, right? And so early on, I have to say that I think I recognized that the more true to my weirdness I was, the more people listened to me, if that makes sense. Definitely. It was when I would try to fit into more societal norms that I just went vanilla and turned into the background with everyone else. Uh, that didn't last long uh, for me. I mean, currently I'm sitting here with giant just, feathers in my head. She has a cool pizza slice necklace. <laughs> I do. Pendant and earrings that are like really cool feathers. And she's like bedazzled in like <laughs> gems and good vibes. Right. Yeah. So like it's, it's, uh, I think that when I learned to take that silly childhood aspect of me and turn it into Something else was when I moved uh, to Portland, Oregon, right when I was 18, and I got really into the underground electronic warehouse scene. Through there, I met a bunch of other creatives. It just confirmed in me the importance of, again, being your most authentic self. Mm. Fast forward a little bit to meeting my now husband in a warehouse party on New Year's. Hi, Joe. Um, How you doing? Hey, Joe. Uh, <laughs> he showed me the other side of that, which is the professionalism aspect that you can embody and hold while still being that creative cartoon character that we all are. <laughs> so through that and working with children my whole life, I started molding what I wanted to see in the world. And what I wanted to see in the world was more play. So that became your superpower. Yeah. Just embracing yourself authentically and showing up as you are in all of your facets. It might sound just kind of cliche or simple, um, we all know it's not because mm -hmm. we are all living on this earth and we know how easy it can be to fit to conformity. For me, it was always extremely difficult. And I'm glad that I found a balance of that because for the longest time, I had a lot of shame or guilt around becoming successful. Yeah. You know, especially as a woman and especially as a Latina woman, we have we have these more roles of patriarchal standing and i'm so thankful for younger generations for bringing that to awareness and breaking that down thanks so, gen z yes seriously <laughs> love you super appreciate that yes oh i love this um but to kind of round up that ramble the the way that i feel like i found my inner clark kent uh, not was through wearing my glasses regularly, but um, igniting that balance between my professional world and my playful world. I love that, though. Right? Like, like for real, just finding your balance of you as a creative and you as a person in this third dimension, whether you like it or not, just coming together to create a unique path for yourself. Yeah, and I think that that would be my advice to any of you listening, if any of you have been on the other end of Annalise's lens, you get to see her doing that. She is extremely professional. She holds safe space. She Thank will you. tell you what you what you really need to be doing to get what you're paying for. 
And while doing that, she encourages you to be silly and spontaneous and your silly self, your your inner weirdo, while she herself is being her inner weirdo <laughs> on the other end of the camera. So I think that if, if, if nothing else, yes, life's too short. <laughs> um, I have another question for you. Yes, Actually, please. I have like 20 questions, but I think we only have time for like maybe one more real good one. So let's be honest, running a creative business with neurodiversity or a TBI requires a special kind of balance. How many yoga poses have you invented just to stay centered? Oh, my goodness. Where to begin? I want to be the ultimate list maker. I want that so bad for myself. And in true (laughs) ADHD, TBI fashion, I kick ass at it for like two or three days and then it goes away like and what I mean goes away like there, there is no list there is no um what structure you put it? <laughs> Joe is the is so, so good at lists I do live by my calendar mm-hmm. my calendar really keeps me going um Text message is honestly the best way for me to communicate with people or, um, or email in regards to business inquiries. Phone calls are great because I am an extreme auditory learner. Once that phone <laughs> hangs up and it didn't go in my calendar or it's not in a text message that I can reference, it's extremely difficult for me. So I'm not trying to ghost people. It's just my brain will ghost you unintentionally <laughs> for me. So for me, running multiple businesses at once while teaching full-time is the yoga pose for me. I have like 30 different Shiva arms going on at all times. And that is where I feel the most comfortable. You have a a skull in one of the Shiva hands? There has to be a skull or two. Of those that try to doubt. (laughs) How dare you doubt me? Um, But I do find myself at ease with multiple things going on. Granted, it's not always the healthiest. I feel like I've gotten really good at that. Removing alcohol has really allowed my work-life balance to become hyper-focused. I like to spin, I'd say, three plates at a time. That's where I can give like my best work. So for me, the sweet spot is juggling three things at once. I think so. So for me, it's, you know, education, obviously first and foremost, and then zero proof Walla Walla, which is one of the things I'm most proud of. And then that third thing is usually something seasonal. So for spring, summer, it's usually working with my co-partner on pride of Walla Walla when we get into the fall, it's usually assisting migrant families with access to life skills, whether that is like health services or food clothing options or things that can help them get ready for school. In the winter time, usually is when a lot of like my DJ stuff comes up. I like to hold ecstatic dances. I like to... Can you tell us what ecstatic dance is? Yeah. So ecstatic dance is a free-flowing form of movement that usually corresponds with music that have undertones of tribal or Latin American nuances. 
or sounds from India or areas of Africa. You can sometimes have glitch hip hop in there as well, uh, or house or down tempo. I personally really like to blend and weave sounds from my story. So I lived in Colombia for many years. I grew up in a Mexican-American household, Irish household, grew up in Eastern Washington. So the, again- what a beautiful tapestry. Again, right? Like you all have out there have threads that you can put on the loom of your life and weave oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tapestries to adorn yourself. One of the quotes that came to myself when I was deeply walking away from alcohol was that we are all living and active pieces on the altar of existence. So if you've ever experienced an altar or made an altar yourself, you know that there is a lot of energy and intention in that. And so as we move through this thing we call life, reminding ourselves that we are all active participants in what we want to see in the world. And so for me, finding that space, that sweet spot of being busy enough, but not so much where I'm neglecting myself is to me the yoga pose that I have found to be my best business self that I can be. Dude, I totally, thank you. I was like, I don't know if anyone followed that. If you didn't, if you didn't follow it, listen again again and you'll figure it out. (laughs) Listen with subtitles. Yeah, it is a balancing act and it is about making sure that you don't have too much. And also you're brought up an excellent point about self-care. I'm pretty sure that at the time of this episode, this, I don't know what episode it'll be like five or six. The episode previous to this one will be about self-care. I love that. So it's cool that you're making sure that one of the plates that you're juggling is your own damn self. And that's the thing, right? Is it's before walking here from alcohol, I went to an Al-Anon meeting, which is for family members or friends who have someone in their life who is, who is an alcoholic. And one of the women said that she goes, take my advice. I'm not using it. <laughs> and I laughed really oh loud. God. It was not an appropriate time to laugh, oh, but I did. And I, I felt I, I, I didn't feel bad because I wasn't laughing at her, but also like Bring I laughed her into safe I spaces laughed because that's me. Right. <laughs> I was here. I was building nonprofits and, winning awards in school and having a lot of people listen to me and I wasn't even taking my own advice. And so that stuck out to me. Mm. Like, okay, let's take our own advice. Um, if you know me, you know that I am a avid bath taker. <laughs> like the bigger the bathtub, the happier my heart is. I love and that you're bringing this like full yeah. circle. Yes. <laughs> Guys, I dropped my phone in a goat water trough earlier today and she was like well you know me in my baths all things lead to a bath in my life um it's 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 horrible um future ceo when we have water issues more than we do now we'll be like what were you doing but you know you can take, have you ever read the book a wheel of time yes you know the aiel okay for listeners if you don't know the aiel are a race of desert dwellers yes. and they every everything's about the water um and so who knows if we have water issues in our future, we'll be taking baths in steam tents like the Aiel. Um, and also, if you uh, like the Wheel of Time, please be my friend. Okay, thank you. I'm not here for um, 
I mean, I do love desert dwelling. Um, my skin doesn't. Huh. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not excited for water wars, but I would love, get me a steam tent. Yeah. To like, <laughs> I'm telling you, be a gecko in. let's be geckos together and we'll go to the Olympus day spa, which I'm pretty sure I talk about in every yes. single episode. <laughs> And yes. also in all of our conversations yes. that we ever have yes. outside of being recorded. Yes. Thanks, BB. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, wanna, I, I want to give credit where credit is due for a lot of my success is community. I yeah. really pride myself on trying to put community at the center and not myself. For example, this year at Pride, we had over 700 people and the goal in that in Walla Walla, in Walla, Walla that's a big deal. All that's if it, that's approximately close to three percent of our population. My God, yeah, damn, dude. So, for me, the beauty is is for people to go to those events and think that there's a whole team behind it when there is just two people. Just two people yep. put that on. Yep, myself and Jeremy. Um, and that's so incredible. If you put. If you put community at the center, it will grow and it will stay authentic. For me, that is the most fulfilling part of what I do. I love that. And if you're listening and you don't have a community, you can join our community. Absolutely. Um, I was sending, I sent Sia a message. Oh, we've been recording for almost 40 minutes. Good for us. Um, yesterday, I sent Sia a message about uh, <laughs> this idea I had while meeting with an amazing person at the Walla Walla Roastery. Was that yesterday? I'm looking, hold on just a second. That was yesterday. Okay, so I was meeting with um, a new friend that told me that they had a TBI. And we just sat and had coffee and we were talking about just the struggles about having a TBI and ADHD at the same time. It's kind of like a double whammy. Speaking of community, I want to make sure that we can have a get together every six weeks or so. And I jokingly want to call it the Goldfish Club. I love that. (laughs) I love that. It's going to be so cute. Bloop. Hashtag goldfish club. Uh, you're invited. But every six weeks we'll get together and we'll have a community of TBI people and just lighthearted support. I love that. And um, I would also love for those to have an opportunity for anyone, you know, experiencing this life with a TBI to also experience really delicious drinks. And as Zero Proof Wall Wall, again, Zero Proof Wall Wall is just one person. It's just me. I would love to mix some really delicious and awesome mocktails for the group. With like adaptogens and brain juice? Yes. What you put in is what you, you know, get to put out. And so we all know this. We've all heard this. But just another reminder that you are doing a really great job out there. You are Mm. beautiful. You are worth taking the time to love place your hand on your heart space and just really sit in and thank yourself. Thank yourself for taking the time to listen to other people speak on their experiences because the more we can actively listen, the more we can learn. And thank you, Annalise, for allowing me to share my story about being a TBI survivor and entrepreneur and all around silly weirdo alien friend of yours. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Welcome to the cool club, Sia. <laughs> We're glad you're here. And if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to follow more about what Sia Cortinas Root is doing, uh, tell everyone where to find you. Yeah, so I am most active on 
Facebook, surprisingly, for Zero Proof Walla Walla. It's just Zero Proof Walla Walla. That is where I seem to get the most engagement. I would love more engagement on Instagram, though, because I feel like, I don't know, that's where I feel most comfortable on. But it's also Zero Proof uh, Walla Walla. And on Instagram, you can also follow Inclusiva Productions under Bruja Mommy. There you will be able to see some of the fun events we've got going on. The next event for Zero Proof Walla Walla, it is... At July of 2023. In August, we are going to be doing a affirmations course. It's going to be free to join. So there's going to cool. be mocktails and then affirmations that really helped me get through the beginning parts of my zero proof journey. And no matter where you're at in it, it's always good to learn more beautiful, encouraging words to say to yourself. So thank you. Oh God. Isn't that true? Yes. Give our listeners one affirmation, please. I know, Affir- on the spot. I've never heard an affirmation in my <laughs> okay. life. <laughs> uh, the affirmation that I said to myself last night after doing a yoga and somatic breathing class, remember how grateful you are for a compassionate heart because time is too short to look inward and see dark. Oh, that's beautiful. What I'll do for my show notes is... Uh, put her quote at the bottom of that, as well as how you can reach Sia. And um, she is a safe person. You are safe with her. Yes. And please know that if anything that we talked about, you felt called to learn more about, I mean, please do not hesitate to reach out to me in any of my ways to reach out. Uh, Again, Annalise will have that posted, but uh, I am always so honored when people reach out to me and talk if you see me in public, like, please say hi again. If, if we've already met and like, I just, and I keep talking and I don't say your name, please don't take offense to it. Um, the TBI is real. And I will remember like five minutes after we walk away. Um, and yeah, also I am a hugger, but please ask for consent first for a hug, but I give good hugs. So she does. She like weaves your soul back together a little bit when she hugs you. Um, Thank you for tuning in to Frame and Flow, Creating, Connecting, and Neurodiversity. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep creating, and keep embracing your unique journey. Okay, love you. Bye!